gentlemen, this is the Sauce Town Stories podcast. I am your host, Matt Cox, uh, live from New York City. It's actually, this is being recorded on uh, Wednesday. Kind of crazy couple days. Um, I'm sure you all saw the shooting in the subway on Tuesday way out in Brooklyn. Um, anyway, the, the shooter was arrested about a block uh, from where I live here in East Village, and he's actually being held as we speak at the precinct, the police precinct that's about 50 feet away uh, from the entrance to my building. Um, so there's all kinds of media and stuff out there, kind of a, a wild scene. Um, but anyway, just got done interviewing Joey August, an absolute goat uh, in the history of Sauce Town. Um, this is an amazing interview. We talk about, of course, his sport, his illustrious sports career, but I mean, we also talk about everything he's done since his baseball career ended, being a father, where his career took him. Um, so you guys are going to love this interview. I know you all remember Joey, um, but you're going to learn a lot more about him. So uh, before we get to that, a quick word from Ash Creek Farms. It's the springtime, and that means it's hazelnut season. Well, Actually, it's always hazelnut season, but only if you are going to Ash Creek Farms, the best hazelnuts in the game. Uh, they got dark chocolate, milk chocolate, my personal favorite, and the traditional roasted. So please, Sauce Town Stories listeners, support a local Sauce Town business and go to ashcreekoregon.com and order your hazelnuts today. And after that, quick word from our sponsor, Ash Creek, Oregon. I am joined by quite the guest today. Um, this is going to be a big intro, but this guy was probably, at least during my time in high school, probably the best multi-sport athlete uh, that I ever saw. I can't speak to the last 10 years since I've been gone. Um, he's a Stanford graduate, so quite the slouch in the classroom, unfortunately. Um, he is a, or he was a pro baseball player. Um, just an awesome, humble dude that I've looked up to uh, really from the time I stepped into South Salem High as a freshman. Uh, he's an awesome dad, and he is the third August to be on the pod. I am joined by Joey August. Joey, how's it going? Matt, I'm doing really well. Thanks for for having me and the kind words there. And yeah, I'm the third August, and I think you've had it in the right order of importance. So you've had the the real MVPs of our family so far. But um, yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. This has been awesome to follow you do this, and excited to be a part of it. Well, I appreciate that, and and all three of you are certainly uh, Sauce Town superstars. So I won't try to rank you, but as I said, very humble of you uh, to say that. Um, and where are you joining us from today, Joey? So I'm at home in San Diego, so I'm sure like many of us around working from home, going from Teams and Zoom call. Um, home office has become the house, has become the playroom, has become all of it combined. So in our house here in San Diego. And shout out to everybody in Salem. I know you guys experienced snow in April this week, so don't uh, be too jealous of the uh, San Diego weather. Yeah, gosh, um, I won't even tell you what the weather is outside. But yeah, it's crazy talking to my parents today. I can't even fathom snow. It's wild. All right. Well, to go ahead and hop in, Joey, I mean, a lot of us obviously know you and followed your, your career and time at South. Um, but real quickly, just, just a quick recap. Could you give us a bit of an intro um, 
to your ties to the Salem area, um, where you grew up, and sort of take us briefly up through your time uh, until you graduated from South High. Yeah, so we um, we moved to Salem when I was 12, so sixth grade, middle school, and I, as I'm sure lots know from my parents, was kind of coach's kid. My dad was a football coach. Um, my mom was a teacher, obviously still is, but my dad got a job at Willamette University when I was 12, and so we moved to Salem then and so my first salem experience was leslie middle school right down the street from um, where we lived in south salem and so that was kind of my first taste of it we started and it actually was probably um, a great time to move i think you could think being 12 and getting ready to be a teenager is a rough time to transplant but i think it worked out great because um you know, middle schools in Salem, they start to bring the different elementary schools together. You have new kids meeting for the first time anyway. So it was a good, good way for me to get acclimated, I think, into the town and to start meeting some good friends. And so um, Leslie Middle School, and then obviously parlayed into South Salem. Um, and I was lucky enough to be there with both of my parents. So my dad was a football coach for a while while I was there. My mom moved over and started teaching, I think, partway through my time um, at South. And yeah, we lived in the same house the whole time. My parents still live there, same home that we first moved into and such great, amazing, fond memories there. We still go back, even though the last couple of years obviously has been harder to do, but we go back at least a few times a year and, you know, still very much when people ask where I'm from, um, Salem is the first word that comes out of my mouth. So I got to ask you before we move on past high school, because I asked Sari this same question when she was on a month or two ago. But, you know, I, I ask a lot of people on the pod about, you know, how they met their wife, husband, significant other. You guys are a little unique uh, because you met each other. I think it was at age 14. So wh what do you remember about arriving at South and, and what's the story of how you met Sari? Yeah, so I know... Um... I remember listening and I know her version of it too. And um, she kind of has a funny version of it. But I remember first week when you kind of do freshman orientation in the first few days, it's just the new freshmen coming from the different middle schools. Um, and you have your kind of mixer group. And I just remember she was in my mixer group. And so she was super friendly, super outgoing. I was painfully shy, um, very difficult for me to kind of make new friends especially in that setting like i had my my teammates and that's what i stuck to but um you know painfully shy and especially when you start to chat with you know who you think is a cute girl across the room um i was very very shy and i'm sure very difficult for her to get to know but um that was my first experience was a super friendly very outgoing very warm-hearted girl in the mixer group first day of kind of freshman orientation there and then um continued to get to know each other she came from west salem and walker and got to know some of her friends through sports and i think our real first kind of date was homecoming dance that year so i think you know october of that freshman year was when it really started and i know as crazy as it sounds we we never really turned back after that um, first homecoming dance. And here we are, you know, however many years later, gosh, 20 some odd years later with two kids. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. Yep, and the rest is history. I wanna ask you one other question from high school because this is a story, I, I hope you remember this. 
I, so you were a senior, I was a freshman and it was, I think it was the last game of the year. They call, I got to be called up to like suit up for the varsity team. And there was this kid pitching for, I think it was Crescent Valley. And like the book on him was, he was like this soft left-hand pitcher. And you were obviously a power hitting uh, lefty batter. And it was kind of like, oh, this is, you know, the, the, the book is we want to go after Joey with this like soft pitcher that's going to give him trouble. And I think the first inning you hit a ball about 440 feet to dead center. And I think the game ended up being like 25 to three or something ridiculous like that. Um, but anyway, where I'm going with this question, as you know, as good a ball player as you were at the high or at all levels, but back to high school, was there anybody that you would face in the Salem area that you were just like, this guy actually gives me trouble? Yes, there were a few guys. Gosh, I'm trying to remember some names. Um, there was a, a Alex Yaney is a popular name that people I think will remember was a great athlete at McNary and he was always really, really tough and a great athlete in a bunch of different sports. Um, Justin Vaughn is another name I remember um, from Sprague. So we had some Stud. battles with Sprague. Yeah, he was a great, great player, great pitcher. I remember him having like a nasty knuckle curve that I just couldn't figure out. One of those where you just couldn't see, couldn't pick up the spin. You'd swing through it and look silly. He, he struck me out a lot and I used, took a lot of pride in not striking out a lot. So I, I remember, I remember him, but you know, the Joey Wong and Josh Ford teams at Sprague are the ones that I remember. Cause they, those were, were the battles and, and players, especially Joey Wong people who remember that name, but those are the ones that come to mind. I'm sure I'm missing some guys. I know we had some good, battles with um, McKay and some of the other teams there. But um, those are the ones that come to mind from the Salem area. And then obviously we had our our battles with Lake Oswego through the years. So the Mike Stutzes of the world that people probably remember at Oregon State was also kind of a kryptonite for us. He always had our number. Yeah, shout out to Joey Wong, uh, podcast alumni. So you end up going on to Stanford to play baseball, but you were also – a big time quarterback in high school. Was there ever, I know baseball was, I guess, you, it, I mean, it was your best sport, but you were, you know, a heck of a QB as well. Was there ever any thought to, to football or was it always going to be baseball in college? There definitely was. I think I, I still kind of will say that the sport I love the most was football. Um, but I think the one I had most opportunities in was baseball. So yeah, I think it was a really difficult decision. I think I was lucky to have, uh, my dad, who kind of lived a similar life and could give some advice. And I mean, before we moved to to Salem, we lived in the Bay Area. So, you know, Stanford sports and you know, have a ton of family down there. It was always big. Um, Jed Lowry is a name people will remember from the Salem area too. Still playing. At, yep, still doing it. It's wild. Um, but he kind of paved the way for me there. He knows the, the first Salem kid to really go to a big time school like that. And I think helped me a lot. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a really difficult decision. I think there was maybe a chance I could have gone somewhere smaller to try to do both, which is something I really wanted to do. But when you had the opportunity to go to a place like Stanford and kind of follow in Jed's footsteps and some of the stuff after baseball, which is what I think my parents were able to help me think about too, um, is where it becomes a really difficult thing to pass up, but, but it's hard. I mean, if you ask me now, my favorite sport to watch and the one I'm most passionate about, it's definitely football. And you're, you're a Niners guy, right? Yes. We are diehard Niners, uh, fans in our family. My dad was 
a Niner way back in the in the seventies and has some funny stories there. But um, yeah, we are definitely big 49er fans in our house. Okay, let's change the subject. I don't want to talk about the <laughs> about about the Packer Niner playoff game this year. Let's just uh, I know. I don't blame you. <laughs> so speaking of Stanford, and you mentioned obviously setting yourself up well for you know after baseball, uh, incredible academic school. I mean, we hear so many times, right? People go to play D1 sports somewhere and it's kind of just a sports factory and you know you have frankly the, the academic side is kind of an afterthought um I'm guessing Stanford that's not the case I mean how hard was it to juggle playing a D1 sport with that difficult of a uh, an academic school you know it was it was hard um and looking back on it I think I maybe have more appreciation for how hard it was than when you're going through it because when you're doing it, you're, you just kind of do it, right? You get up, you put one foot in front of the other and you go for it. But when you think back to taking, you know, 18 to 20 credits a quarter while also playing a sport and practicing all afternoon and, you know, games every weekend. And, um, it was a lot, but it's, it's great memories. It, it builds a lot of really great character. It builds a lot of great work habits as well. Cause you have to really prioritize and be efficient and plan well and, um, I think that's something they pride themselves in there. So I think a lot of a lot of what Stanford baseball is is trying to get people ready to be successful both in baseball and after. And so they put a plan together for you to really be done after your junior year if you're willing to to stick through it so you can graduate early because uh, the dream of every kind of college baseball player is to get drafted after your junior year go live your baseball dream and our coach didn't want that to be a reason or an excuse for you not to finish your degree and set yourself up after and so that's a lot of what was instilled in us and you just kind of did it but i think looking back on it now you have maybe more appreciation for how difficult it was yeah and on the baseball side i mean you were obviously heavy heavily recruited but you know there's lots of big recruits that go to college and they struggle quite a bit at least initially um you get there and you end up starting immediately i think you guys if i'm not mistaken went to the college world series that first year was there any like wow factor i mean obviously the competition's tougher than high school that goes without saying but was there was there much of a learning curve for you or was, did you kind of just take it all in stride? There definitely was. I mean, it's definitely a jump up. There's definitely different levels of pressure, but I think I was just lucky that we came in with a really big recruiting class and all of us, you know, kind of had to deal with the struggles of the fall and the winter of your first time on campus together. And I think, I'm not sure. There are definitely some moments where, you know, I struggled. You wondered if this was the right place, if this was something I could even do. And I'm not sure if if I had a different group of freshman guys with me, if I would have made it through the same way. Um, and I think it was just a really unique, special group. We had some really awesome senior leaders and mentors on that team. Like you said, we didn't quite make it to the World Series that first year, but we were, you know, a game away from it. The Oregon State uh, group that year kind of shattered our dreams which was also kind of ironic with you know where i grew up and who it was that knocked us out but um yeah i think it was a really special group and a special team that set me up for being able to handle it and being you know instilled with the confidence that i could could do it and so i think definitely a big learning curve i mean the friday nights in the pack 10 when it was what it was when i was there were were wild i mean that was the tim lincecum days so you can imagine jumping from 
South Salem at um, Gilmore Field and then running into Tim Lincecum, you know, a few months later. So I think you can see how the jump in talent, but um, yeah, we just had a really special group. And I think the biggest thing was really great leaders and mentors that I still, you know, take things from and try to emulate the things that they instilled in me even now in my career and as a parent. So I was lucky to have some really, really awesome seniors on that team. So actually I had this written down as a question for later, but you referenced Lincecum. Who, who was the, was he the best guy you ever played against or who was the guy that was just, you're like, wow, this dude is on another level. Pitcher, it was definitely him. Like, I mean, my Lincecum story is he starts against us on Friday. I'm sure it was a complete game. They beat us. And then he came back Sunday of that same weekend and closed the game and beat us on Sunday. So it's like, you know, just a guy that oh my. doesn't doesn't look like he um, has ever picked up a baseball in his life when you see him. And then you see him come out and start playing long toss from foul pole to foul pole before he's about to pitch a game. You're kind of wondering what this guy's all about. And then, you know, the most electric stuff you've ever seen. And he dominates us for nine innings and then comes back two days later and throws again. So he, he was definitely the most impressive, I think, pitcher. I mean, there's so many others that I know I've, I've faced that are still playing, you know, like Garrett Cole and names like that are ones people will know seeing on TV, but those were all young guys at UCLA when I was in college and, so um, lots of fun names like that. Um, I think the the best player that I saw and played against um, was definitely Buster Posey in that he's kind of same age and we ran into him one year, the College World Series, but he's definitely the most impressive and talented player I've ever seen, even playing against him in one game and just watching him take batting practice. I think it was the only time I remember our team kind of stopping what we were doing and watching another team take batting practice to watch him hit. So um, definitely some cool stories of guys I played against that are, are still doing it. So fortunate in that regard, for sure. And Buster was just a, an absolute freak. I mean, he would hit the ball, obviously hit the hell out of the ball. I mean, he played catcher, but then in college he pitched and would be like 96 off the mound. Right. Yeah. It was wild. I think he had a game, um, I mean, it kind of turned into a, a media circus, but a game where he played a different position each inning. So he played all nine positions in a game. And so that kind of gives you an idea of just how talented he was. Um, but yeah, I remember my trip to the World Series was at the old Rosenblatt before they shut it down. And um, he was hitting balls out of that stadium and batting practice, like not even just into the outfield seats, but out of the whole thing into the parking lot and just you know, stuff that's different that you don't see. And you could hear the sound different coming off his bat. So yeah, he was pretty impressive. So you finish up at Stanford, get drafted by the Mets and you get sent off to Savannah, Georgia, I guess, first off, I've heard that's, I've never been, I've heard that's an incredibly cool town. Was that a, was that a good place to get sent to? Yeah. So it was, it's um, a very, very cool old Southern town, small, great turnout. I mean, that, stadium and that team means everything to that town it's right on the water too so um yeah it was great i mean it's my first time really leaving the west coast so it was a good um good first experience kind of being out on my own and it's hard it probably doesn't show up when you look it up but my my first stop when they first drafted me was brooklyn new york for like two weeks and then somebody got hurt in savannah and i got to go um down there and where i spent most of my first year so that um, that was kind of my wild minor league experience was showing up to a team you think you're going to play for the whole year. And then two weeks later, you're shipped 
um, you know, down south to go play somewhere different with a whole different group. Um, the minor league and the professional baseball life, I think I got a taste of kind of the politics and the difference between pro and, and amateur sports pretty quickly. And elaborate on that a little bit. What What is the difference in kind of the politics you're referencing? Yeah, so I think um, I think it just becomes – it became a lot more difficult because it's a lot more – you have to be a lot more self-absorbed. I don't want to say self-centered, but sort of. You have to be selfish with your career and the way that you play. It doesn't necessarily matter if you win and lose games. It's more fun to win games. People want to win games, but in the grand scheme of things – your focus needs to be on how you get to the next stop. And I think that was difficult for me to adjust to. I think I've was successful obviously, but I, I always prided myself on being a, a team first guy and nothing else mattered in your numbers and everything would take care of themselves. As long as you were relying on your teammates, they were able to rely on you. Um, you self-sacrifice towards something greater, like the rest of those things would take care of themselves. And, that mindset doesn't necessarily work, especially when you're first starting kind of in those lower levels. And as much as people will talk about, you know, winning solves everything, it was different. And I think getting to a place where, you know, you're, I was in, I was older when I was drafted, I was a senior sign. So, I mean, we can get into that if you want to, but I wasn't a huge high draft pick. I wasn't a big prospect in their system. I was a fourth or fifth outfielder on this first roster. I didn't play opening day. And then a couple of weeks later, they ship you off somewhere different where you're the fourth outfielder again and you start playing every few days. It was different. And I don't know if I was, um, you know, I think looking back, there's not sure I was mentally in a place where I was ready to handle what that meant and what it was. And I think there's some things I've learned since kind of in my professional life, being a parent where um, maybe mentally I could have handled that a little differently. So maybe it gives you a little window, but it, it definitely is a different culture, not to complain about it by any stretch. I was so lucky and blessed to have that opportunity. And I met a lot of great people and had a great experience. I mean, you, you sleep in every day, you go to batting practice, you play a game at night and you repeat every day for your living. It was, it was a lot of fun, but it was definitely a, a shift. I definitely want to get into being a dad and your and post baseball. Um, but I want to ask you this because uh, I've asked it to – I'm obviously being a guy who's never made it to that level. I've asked numerous people about this, um, such as Joey Wong, others that have played at that that level. When you were done in 2011, was there any part of you that was sort of ready to be done, like you wanted to move on to the next thing? Yeah, I know this um... – this probably sounds strange, but it almost came as a relief uh, yeah. when it gets to that point, because you are dealing with so much kind of uncertainty or what is it going to take to go here? Or, you know, I just remember days walking into the clubhouse where you're just waiting for them to send you somewhere different or send you down and it starts to take some of the fun away from it. And so I remember it being thinking it, you know, if, I, if I'm not able to make some big moves, if I'm not able to be seen as somebody that they can rely on every day in this next off season, I need to start thinking about something else. And to have the, you know, it's funny that the red tag in your locker when they cut you, um, it's, it is actually kind of how they did it with the Mets, which is funny, but um, <laughs> they, it was a relief. I'm walking in there. I almost had like a weight off my shoulders. I was sad. And, you know, it's like a, it's a dream. It's a huge part of your life that's now, gone and maybe feels like a hole for a second but as strange as it sounds it was almost um, a relief and i was ready 
And I know you've talked about kind of wanting in your career post-baseball, kind of wanting to recapture that that team sports um, element that you had at Stanford, had at South. Um, but, but initially, when you finish up with baseball, you get a job in medical sales. Um, but you mentioned it kind of taught you a lot about what you did and didn't want to do uh, with the rest of your life. I mean, take take us into what that job was and kind of what you learned from it. Yeah, so I, I got a job with Stryker, which is a big giant uh, medical device company that I'm sure lots of people have heard of. Or if you haven't, you look it up, you'll you'll start to notice the Stryker name everywhere. A really great company, really known well for their kind of sales training and their sales pipelines, if you will. And I think that's just kind of um, where people told me to go and what I should be doing. And I think it's normal for an athlete who's viewed as hyper-competitive and, and wanting to be type A and top of their field and win at all costs fits well in being a salesperson, especially in the competitive medical device world. So um, that's what I did because that's what people told me I would be good at. And so I I dove into it. Um, I learned a ton. We had great people there. I, I worked as low level as, you know, running stuff from hospital to hospital and working in the warehouse to being a sales rep with my own territory. Um, a lot of the things we sold were implants. So um, think orthopedic surgeries, knee replacements, hip replacements. So our job was to sell the implants that are used in those surgeries. And most of the day was spent in the OR. So you'd be in the OR with these surgeons as they're operating on people. And your job was to make sure your stuff was used properly and you had what you needed there. Um, I enjoyed that part of it. I liked being kind of a part of that, that surgical team and feeling valued. Um, I did not like the chasing people down, trying to convince them to do something that they didn't want to or buy something they didn't. I think I started to learn that selling things to people um, and, and dealing with, you know, the stresses that come with hearing no all the time and hitting your head up against that wall and chasing people down in a parking lot to try and have a five minute conversation wasn't what drove me. I think I really, I missed finding ways to dive deeper with people. Like you said, to find that kind of team atmosphere where you're working together with a group of people for something larger. Um, and so I'm super thankful for the opportunity that, and the, the years that I had there, I had some good leaders that I learned a ton from and learned how I would like to lead in the future you know you had some like everybody that weren't great and learned how you don't want to do things in the future too which i think sometimes is even more valuable than learning about what you want to do and so um yeah it was a great experience but i think i started to learn a lot about myself that that wasn't necessarily something that motivated me and got me out of bed was how to find new ways to sell people things and convince them of something it was how do i dive deeper with people how do i uncover needs how do i help solve those needs how do i bring value to people and how do i bring the most out of those people and i think that just comes from my background you know i think that comes from my dad my mom being very nurturing people and coaches and teachers and and thriving in in team sports environments when those qualities are the most important thing and the only thing that matters and so i think that's what i've spent you know the last five plus years doing is trying to find a place where I can join a culture like that or even get to a place where I can kind of cultivate that culture myself. It sounds like you've kind of found that with your, I know you bounced to a, a few different startups and now you're with, uh, forgive me if I butcher this, BD Pikesis. Did I say that right? 
yeah, it's um, technically Pixis, but yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, you're right. I think I had a few stops at some, some startup companies, which are awesome when it comes to that team culture, very fast paced, wear a bunch of different hats, um, bring a lot of value really quickly. Um, you can be super nimble and, and agile and there comes stresses with working in the startup environment too. But I think that's where I really honed how I wanted to be not just as maybe an employee, but as a leader as well. It gave me a lot of opportunities to, to start to build teams and figure out how I wanted to, to be as a mentor type as I get older and kind of transition into um, what I hope I can turn into some of the people that I've had in my life that were for me, um, finding ways to be that for other people. And um, so, yeah, the company I'm at now is, is a great place. It's another really large healthcare company. I think healthcare is a really awesome, unique industry to be in because you really do get a sense of kind of greater purpose and the greater good. You know, you, you still deal with the same stresses and the day-to-day -day grind, but you, you also always know that whatever it is you're, you're doing or working on is impacting people at a much larger scale and, you know, is, is having an impact on people in a, in a larger way than you even realize. And so I, that's what I love about the healthcare space. And I think just finding myself in a role and on a team where we can focus a lot more on some of those kind of team first culture type um, attributes instead of chasing a quota number. And um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy where I am now. We have a lot of great leaders and a great, a great large company with some, you know, market leading products. And um, it's been really fun so far. So good. And I know this is probably the, the most important thing in your life. I know you mentioned you got two awesome kids, Ramsey and Declan, uh, two years old and five years old. What is, I'll just leave this pretty open-ended. What, what is Joey August, the dad like? Gosh, that is, that's a, that's a, a big question, but yeah, I think it, it's obviously the most important thing in my life and our lives, um, Sari and mine. I think it's something that we've dreamed about from a very young age. We've obviously been together a long time. We've grown up together, but I think this is something that we've always envisioned and, and wanted. So it, it's absolutely by far and away the number one most important thing about me. I think it's the the best part about me and I hope it's something I can continue to to grow at um, and I take a lot of pride in. So gosh, the kind of dad, I, I mean, I'm definitely a goofy dad who gets in and plays whatever game they want to sing along with whatever Disney song they're in. Um, you know, I definitely like to be the fun dad. I think Sari probably gives me a hard time sometimes too, because I struggle <laughs> with like being, being disciplined dad. And so I'm trying to get better at that when it's needed, but um, yeah, fun, silly dad, but um, I just can't um, understate how important they are to us and how important it is to us to be, great parents for them. And, you know, we're blessed. They're such awesome, amazing kids. And I think the biggest thing is you can see so much of Sari and both of them. And I think that's my, my favorite part. They have such huge hearts, even Ramsey being only two, you know, like he shows a lot of empathy for, for people already. And so does Declan. She's a huge um, empath and very sensitive and has a huge heart for people and, you know, shows a lot of very, very Sari qualities. So if nothing else, we're, we're raising a couple more um, Sari-like humans for the world, which is always good. Yep, they're gonna they're gonna turn out great. Then um, you mentioned you are a Pixar slash Disney expert these days. What are the go tos right now with uh, with Ramsey and Declan? 
So I know you got into it with Siri some. Um, Toy Story is, has a big special place in our hearts here. So Declan was definitely um, Toy Story obsessed and Woody was kind of her person. Uh, Ramsey has followed suit. He's definitely more of a buzz buzz guy. Um, oh, big, so big, that, uh, big rivalry there. Buzz versus, uh, buzz versus Woody. Rivalry there definitely is. 20, I, 20 years back, yeah. Yep, I think... Um, you know, luckily some of that rivalry still goes over their head. I'm sure we'll have to explain <laughs> that to them as they get older, but they, those are big ones. Um, he's obviously big into cars. Lightning McQueen is kind of his other hero and his other favorite toy he's got. Um, Declan definitely went through the princess phase and frozens of the world and is starting to kind of transition um, into into some of the other more recent ones. So gosh, Encanto is the one everybody knows now and all the sing-along. So if you ask me like, what's the top five songs played on my Spotify right now, it's probably whatever the first five songs are on the Encanto soundtrack. So we, any Pixar movie that comes out, we're the first ones in line to go see it. And yeah, I, I'm sure we would do re really well on a Pixar trivia night, wherever those are. <laughs> all right joey so before i get you out of here are you down to do a uh, quick rapid fire round with us sure all right let's start it off uh hobbies aside from uh you know watching pixar and um hanging with your with your kids yes yeah, so we we're big getting outside so um we're lucky we live in a neighborhood that has lots of cool kind of hiking trails so we're always outside we live really close to the beach, obviously, so we're there whenever we can. So those are big hobbies. Um, I'm definitely a closet video gamer still. So gaming was like a huge part of my childhood. Um, you know, it's moving to a new town and being painfully shy. I play a lot of video games, so it still holds a place in my heart. I still sneak downstairs when the kids are asleep and we'll game it up. Um, what do you play? And also... So right now we've been playing a lot of the the new Lego Star Wars game, which is pretty fun because Declan will play it with me and um, we'll let her stay up late and play some. But I'm a big guy. The Uncharted games are probably my favorite. And I don't know how much of this your audience cares to hear about, but I'm a big PlayStation guy. So anything PlayStation, I've been very loyal to PlayStation. So yeah, Assassin's Creed, Uncharted, Madden, obviously, I you know I've owned every Madden game from the beginning of time, so all those. All right, favorite Salem restaurant. That is a good question. So I know um, my favorite one of all time that isn't there anymore. Gosh, I don't want to like throw people under the bus, but I think it's because it got shut down because of health-related concerns and <laughs> sanitation. But uh, the old. The old Mongolian Grill on commercial is my favorite. So we were big Mongolian Grill fans where you, I mean, now in today's age, definitely doesn't seem very sanitary, but where you're, you know, you grab your bowls, you grab the raw meat, all the vegetables, you bring it up to the guy that's cooking on the big giant flat top and kind of community style. So that'll always be forever my favorite Salem restaurant. I think there's another one that's still open, maybe closer to Lancaster. Um, and I know, I'm sure my mom... We tease her some for it too, and my parents because they're <laughs> old souls and simple to please. But we do have a lot of fond memories at the Red Robin there. So um, always a favorite when it came to birthdays and stuff. But if I had to pick a unique one, I guess it's Mongolian Grill for sure. 
Yeah, I was uh, I was cracking up on the, the interview with your mom because she said Red Robin. And I was like, oh, OK, so that is why we went to Red Robin after every leadership event for yep. my entire time in high school. It all makes sense now. Yeah, uh, exactly. All right. Next one uh, can be as local or as exotic as you want. Uh, favorite travel destination you've been to? So it's a tough one because we we haven't gone to a ton of places. We have a Hawaii trip planned later this summer, which is Ooh. like our first big family trip ever. So I hope I can say that because I'm not sure you can have a bad experience there. Um, but I guess my favorite one that's kind of off the wall is maybe we used to do a lot of Lake Shasta trips. So we would do houseboats Lake Shasta, and I have a ton of awesome memory stories of being a kid and having a million cousins slammed into a small houseboat cruising around Lake Shasta. So that's probably a good one. All right. You're not allowed to name a family member on this one. Favorite athlete of all time. Man, that is a loaded one. Cause there's probably so many, um, from the different sports, but it's hard not to say Steve Young just because of, who he was when I was growing up, big 49er fan, being left-handed, weren't a whole lot of other left-handed people for me to look up to. Um, so as silly as that sounds, I guess, but Steve Young, Ken Griffey Jr. is hard not to say too. I mean, we all grew up in that era where he was, you know, the kid was the man. So if I had to, I'm copping out, but if I had to pick two, Steve Young football-wise and Griffey baseball. All right, last one. Best thing that you've read, watched, or listened to recently? So I know Sari talked about this too. Um, the Calm app is something that's been huge for us and our family and our kids. So maybe not necessarily something specific, but I don't know. I'll make my Calm app plug. I think it's been awesome. Um, favorite thing I've read? So you asked about hobbies earlier. Um, I'm definitely a, a Star Wars nerd also, and I've been I've been getting into the the deep deep Star Wars cuts. So I've read a couple Star Wars novels lately after watching all the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett shows that have been pretty awesome to dive into. So I would say the uh, the Ahsoka Star Wars novel is pretty great. With and I, I don't I don't mind that it makes me sound like a super nerd. That's all right. When you're uh, as good an athlete as you were, you don't really get a lot of uh, lot of nerd comments thrown at you. I don't think. Um, before we let you go, Joey, this has been an absolute pleasure having you here. Uh, like I do with everyone that comes on the pod, um, are there any final shout outs uh, to people, places, causes, whatever you'd like? The floor is yours before we let you go. Yeah. No. Thank you. I think. I think just Salem in general, all of our extended, you know, friends, family, it was such a huge part of not just my story in life, but our families too. Um, I think that's the unique part about Sari and I's story is it's really where it started and where it centered and without it, you know, what we have and what we've built wouldn't have been possible. So I think all the different families out there, you know, and coaches we've had, I mean, think of the, the Rick Lacey's of the world and coach Defoe and coach Haugen, um, I mean, there's so many that I'm that I'll probably forget. I mean, the ID family is a huge one as well. That's staples in the Salem area that were so instrumental in all of our kind of growth and helping Salem feel like home. So I I think everybody along those lines that we have such fond memories of that place still do. Um, 
look forward to being able to teach Declan and Ramsey how important that place is. I know they've been able to visit a few times, but just Salem in general, I think coaches, friends, everybody involved in in helping us be the people we are now, I think it, it will always have such a special place in our heart. All right, Joey. Well, I know everybody in Salem is proud of you. I mean, you accomplished so much in your sports career, but you, you've accomplished even more afterward. And it's been, uh, you know, amazing following along with everything you've done. And I think everybody is going to um, really enjoy this podcast and get a chance to, to hear what you've been up to. So thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it, Matt. And thank you for, for all you're doing with this. I think it, it shouldn't be understated how awesome it is to feel connected to Salem, to hear all these stories that you're kind of bringing to light. And, and you're really talking through really important issues too, that I think um, are important to voice and important to be front and center and important to make sure people are comfortable having some difficult discussions. I know you've had a lot of mental health discussions on here and you know, the, those things need to keep keep coming forward. And I think you're you're using your your voice to, to make a big difference, not just with Salem, obviously here, but um, beyond. So kudos to you, too. It's been awesome to follow. I appreciate that, Joey. Um, thanks again and have an awesome rest of your night. You too. Thanks, Matt. Thank you once again for listening to the Sauce Town Stories podcast. Um, if you could, and if you'd like to help us out, uh, simply go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts at, uh, go to the search bar, type in Sauce Town Stories. It'll be the first one that comes up uh, with the Salem Goldman as the picture. Um, hit subscribe, most importantly, just subscribe. Or if you wanna write us a review, or give us five stars, or give us one star if you didn't like it. Uh, appreciate the honesty, but uh, if you could, at the very least, subscribe, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Sauce Town Stories podcast. I am your host, Matt Cox. Um, just got done interviewing Vina Westbrook, uh, recently drafted by the Seattle Storm of the WNBA, first Salem uh, player in NBA or WNBA to go pro in, I believe, 15 years based on my research. Um, but aside from being an incredible athlete, basketball player, uh, she's just so humble about everything. We talk about how important relationships are to her, how important Salem is to her. Um, this interview goes long because I, I couldn't end it. It was it was so good. We had to keep going. So you guys are going to love it. Uh, we're going to get to that. Um, one other thing I wanted to get to today, um, a quick, um, uh, I guess, RIP to a Sauce Town legend, Millard Bates. Um, I know everybody out there probably has some sort of Millard Bates story. Uh, he coached my dad way back when my dad was in middle school. I remember him refing my uh, my basketball games. I, I mean, we remember him. Well, actually, the most iconic story I remember is when some guy went crazy on Millard at Hoopla when Miller was in his, he might have been 80 or at that point, and he went after him and he hit him and Miller got beat up pretty bad. And he hopped back up and kept refereeing the game. This 80-year-old guy got attacked by some 30-year-old, and he kept going. Um, 
anyway, absolute sauce town legend wanted to be sure that I got to that. Um, so we'll, next we'll get to the interview, uh, but first a quick word from Ash Creek farms.